I want to talk a little bit today just to kind of set your minds <clears throat> about something that in my mind is a very prominent, prevalent, dangerous issue in our country today and probably all over the world. But you know what last week we were in verses 13 and 14 where Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, and that is a command, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For me, that word many right there is a frightening word. How many? Many. Many. We, I, I think typically through the years, especially maybe in the Bible Belt, have just always thought many uh, was for somewhere else. Uh, that most of us would be in the narrow gate. But Jesus is warning here. And then he says, verse 14, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. Then he makes a statement following that, and it's all connected. And we'll look at that more carefully next week. But, but he just says, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Now, although a lot of it has probably slipped from our memory, most of us have had some recollection of a tragedy that occurred that we now simply refer to as Jonestown. Do you remember Jonestown? I have to stop and think that some of you may be too young to remember Jonestown, but um, we just refer to it now as Jonestown. And when you Google it, it's both fascinating and sickening. And I started researching this some just during the last few days, and I was reading a lot of different things, and I just thought, I cannot do this. I cannot work through all the details and all of the questions of this because it was sending my spirit <laughs> down in a hole. And I thought, I want to know some things about this, but it is not my lot to really figure all of this out. But on November the 18th, 1978, 918 individuals died in Jonestown. What happened? Reverend Jim Jones established a church in 1954 in his hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. It was called Community Unity Church. And in 1955, it became Wings of Deliverance. And in 1956, it became People's Temple. And in 1960, it affiliated with the Christian church or a group, a denomination called Disciples of Christ, which I don't know a lot about, but it's supposed to be a Christian denomination called Disciples of Christ. And then in 1964, Jim Jones was ordained a minister in that church. By the late 1970s, People's Temple was the largest congregation within that denomination. They had thousands of members. They had more than one campus. And so then the church moved from Indiana to California in 1965, where there were three churches. They moved 
because people were beginning to question them. And so they moved to California, and when they got to California, the denomination attracted young, college-educated white people involved in this progressive political scene. And many of them were involved in the civil rights movement and the anti-Vietnam War protests. And so they were busy, and he was becoming increasingly well-known. He must have been a man of great charisma because more and more people were being drawn to him. His followers revered him. And he was both known as a charismatic preacher and a prophet. Well, he taught that he was the manifestation of Messiah sent by God to teach socialism. And he claimed psychic abilities. He was known as a healer in the revival circuit. And many books have been written about the Jonestown tragedy. And there were a few survivors that through the years have been interviewed who have described what that was like. And then there are the relatives of those who died in Jonestown. The thing that got me and the thing that I want us to be so aware of is that many of the people who became involved in that movement were brought up in Christian homes. They weren't people who didn't know, had never heard. One of them wrote about going to Sunday school and was a graduate of Wheaton College. Are you familiar with Wheaton College? Wheaton College is a leading evangelical Christian college in Illinois. That person got involved. That person moved to California, joined the People's Temple, and became a staff member. Another victim had been involved in children's ministry and knew facts about the Bible backward and forward. Knew. Another one was Joan's private bodyguard and driver. He grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, and it is a pretty conservative Christian denomination. And his wife grew up in a charismatic church, and they both attended Sunday school and church regularly. Another woman was the, was the daughter of an Assembly of God missionary, or missionaries. Her parents were missionaries. They were missionaries to Brazil. And they attended um, a Lutheran school in Minnesota. Another was president of her Methodist Youth Fellowship. It was a group, and she and her sister were children of a Methodist minister. This is just a sampling of people who got caught up in this movement known as People's Temple, the People's Temple. They knew a lot. They were not unfamiliar with Scripture. They were not unfamiliar with the teachings of Christ. They were not unfamiliar with the gospel. But they were deceived. So here comes Jesus saying, what? Beware of false prophets. 
And I think our general inclination is to think that people who don't know and have never come to church and are not familiar with Scripture are the ones who need to beware. I want you to understand this morning with me that we need to beware. We need to beware. So the fact that Jesus says beware means that these people are not easily identified. And I've told you this before. When Satan is going to make a counterfeit dollar bill, he ain't going to paint it red. When you deal with counterfeit money, it's very difficult to tell the difference, isn't it? And so it's true even more so when you're dealing with counterfeit spiritual issues. Now, one of the writers gave some insight as to why people followed Jim Jones. Now, listen to this. He knew how to inspire hope. He was committed to people in need. He counseled prisoners and juvenile delinquents. Appealing? Yeah. If somebody were out here in our community doing those things, you know, inspiring hope, uh, helping people in need, and working with our prisoners and our juvenile delinquents, what would we do? We'd go, yeah. He started a job placement center. He opened rest homes and homes for people with special needs. He had a health clinic. He organized a vocational training center. He provided free legal aid. Are you going, yeah? He preached about God. He claimed to cast out demons and do miracles and heal and had great assemblies where it gave the appearance that that's what was happening. Later, it became known after his death that he was paying people to do certain things, okay, to give the appearance of that. Jim Jones had all of the marks of a false prophet. Beware, Jesus says. Now, how, how did he do that? Just think through this with me. He promoted himself through celebrities. You know, there's something about us that thinks if a celebrity gives approval of something, that it must be good, must be right. So he's in California. He develops all of these relationships with these celebrities who are seeing all of these things he's doing. They're going, yes, this man is wonderful. Let's go to his church. He manipulated the press. He manipulated the press so that they would prevent favorable stories about him. You can see why they would. Oh, we've got this man. He's building uh, homes for the elderly. He's giving free legal aid. He's giving vocational training. You know, he's helping people in need. He's counseling juvenile delinquents. And he makes the paper. Use the language and forms of faith to gain power. He could talk scripture. He could talk about God. 
He could quote. And he could use the language of the church to make people think, oh, this is a godly man. And so thousands of people begin to get sucked into this. And he had his followers. And, you know, he would have his followers sing and give testimonies about how he had healed them. Now, let me go ahead and get you to think, what word are you not hearing in all of this? You're not hearing Jesus. You're not hearing Jesus. That's your first clue, Sherlock. Okay? Not hearing it. So here's what he's done. He created this warm, loving, fake Christian community. It was a community said to be Christian, but void of Christ. Now, think about it. And think about, we've had some conversations before. Think about what makes young people get involved in gangs. Isn't everybody, don't you know, a lot of people, especially today in our culture, looking for hope? Looking to belong with a group of people? Looking to be loved, to be supported, to have a place, to have an identity. That's why we're told, and kids that have wound up in gangs, that's why they say they went there to start with. But that's what's happening here in this cult. And so there's this warm, loving community where these people just wanted to go there. It felt good. They admired him. He demanded absolute loyalty to himself. Did you hear me? He demanded absolute loyalty to himself. So what he's doing here is he is replacing Jesus as the authority. And he is reported to have said that he was Jesus. Should the people that followed him have known better? Yes. What I want you to see is the skill of the enemy in making us think, well, yes, I know. I've been, ta I've, I've been taught all of that. I've heard that all my life. But, you know, this is a new thing. This feels so good and is so loving and so he quoted the Bible often. He could quote scripture, but he used it to manipulate the people that were listening to him. He used it to manipulate their following, their behavior. And so what he's doing is he's perverting God's word. So he would give out blessings and miracles and prayer cloths. And want what? Money. He would expect money in return. I'm not saying that, I'm not making any accusations, but I want to call your, your recollection to, I've seen it on television. I will send you a prayer cloth. I would love to send you a prayer cloth. These cloths have been anointed by me. I will send you a prayer cloth. Now here's an envelope. You send us an offering in return. You ever seen that? And in all of that, in all of that, 
He deceived people, including Rosalind Carter. She went to California to promote, I believe it was Walter Mondale as vice president. And while she was there, the wonderful California politicians wanted her to meet, and she had heard of the Reverend Jim Jones. She went to dinner with him, was very favorable toward him, recommended him, had meals with him, and visited his church. Now, Lord knows she did never get involved to the extent that these other people did. But it's a good thing she got out and came back home, wasn't it? The governor of California, I believe it was Jerry Brown. So what's he doing? He's going after all of these celebrities, name brand people, and bringing them in so that they will do what? Give affirmation to what he is doing. There were congressmen. And do you know what all these people were doing? They were giving him plaques and honors and awards as this great civic leader and religious leader in America. It all came to a horrible ending. There was one congressman, Leo Ryan, who began an investigation of the cult. Now, I don't know this for sure, but some of the things I read made me think that he had a son involved in this. I think I've got the people right, so if you want to research it, you can, but this is what's in my mind, and I would be glad to be corrected. But he began an investigation of the cult, and so while the, the People's Temple was active in these humanitarian causes, um, what has come to light is that Reverend Jones' treatment of his followers were, was inhumane. Um, he humiliated them, blackmailed them. There were some beatings, brainwashing. And so he would brainwash him. And so a number of these people signed over their possessions, even their homes, to him. So this congressman... Leo Ryan started this investigation in the cult, and when people began to get suspicious, he moved to Guyana, South America. And they established a community called Jonestown that was about 24 miles from there. It was supposed to be this big agriculture thing, and all these people, and so they named this place Jonestown, guess why? Reverend Jim Jones, right? So. This congressman traveled there to investigate reports that people were being held against their will and that some were being physically and psychologically abused. And as Congressman Ryan was preparing to return home with his entourage, he was murdered. There is one report that says that later, at the end of the story, when they found Jim Jones' body, they found this man's son lying next to him, having been shot. So Jones released these radio orders for temple members to commit suicide. 
Some of them did it on purpose. Some of them were fed cyanide-laced, we call it Kool-Aid, some kind of fruit juice. And so this fruit drink was laced with cyanide and tranquilizers and sedatives, and they squirted it into the mouths of the babies and the children. Adults drank it. Jones himself died of a gunshot wound. The death toll exceeded 900. It is said to be the largest mass murder, which is what most people call it, murder-suicide, uh, except for 9-11, except for 9-11 of American people. 300 of them were under the age of 17. Most of these people died thinking that they were serving God. Why would they do that? What is missing in this picture? They did not hold it up to the standard of Scripture. They didn't ask the questions to see if this man was a false prophet. Satan is a liar and a deceiver, and so are those people who are his tools, who are his instruments. That's what they will do. They will deceive you. They will lie to you. It will always all be about them. And so scripture says that these people masquerade as angels of light. Is that not what happened to these people? They thought, oh, look at these. These people are are full of Christianity. They're helping the sick. They're feeding the poor. They're making a way. They misidentified them as angels of light. Jesus said, There shall arise false prophets and false Christs with great signs and wonders who will deceive many. Let me tell you something. Scripture says that in the last days, Satan will perform miracles. And then Jude said, there would come these certain men, men and women, creeping in unawares, turning the grace of God into sensuality. And when you really start digging into some of this, you find a lot of sexual deviance. Is that the right word? In, you know, in all of these things. And so, listen, Jim Jones is just one example of what Jesus says is many. Now, if they are many and true prophets are few, that kind of says to me that once you run into one, more than likely <laughs> they're going to be in the false category. Does that make sense? They come in all kinds of packages, but their hearts are always like the devil, whose goal it is to steal, kill, and destroy. Did he accomplish that in this cult? Yes. Most certainly he did. And so what you begin to see in these people. 
and we're going to cringe because as we get to know some of these people, some of these people are going to be people we know. They're going to be our friends. But here's what they're going to do. They're going to stand against the truth of God's word and make you think it's good for society. It's all around us. Vance Havner said, I love this. You can dot all your I's and cross all your T's and still spell the word wrong. Pretty good. You can have all of that and it won't spell Jesus. Okay? So Jesus has just said what? Enter the narrow gate. There is a wide gate. And the very next thing he says is what? Beware of false prophets. What are they doing? A false prophet is standing in his own authority, speaking his own message. It is false, and he's standing at the wide gate, making you think it's wonderful. You remember when I was growing up, I don't remember how old I was. You remember a guy from, he was out of Atlanta called Reverend Ike? You don't remember Reverend Ike? He was an intriguing guy, you know. I saw him on television, you know, from time to time. But um, <laughs> the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, right? We've been over that. The love of money is the root of all evil. And he would say this. He would say, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. But I say to be without money is the root of all evil. What did he do? He took a firm stand against the word of God. And he replaced what Jesus said with, but I say unto you. And at the heart of every one of these false prophets, somewhere there's going to be an I. The big I. Okay? So when one puts himself against the word of God, you can mark him. You can mark him. The word beware is an interesting word, and it means to hold your mind back from. Is that not good? Beware. Hold your mind back away from false prophets and so what's Jesus saying don't even let those thoughts get into your mind do you know how you go down this trail and fall like these people fell they started thinking about it and they never asked the question where is it written so these were people there were people here attending Christian churches and the people's temple at the same time. Raised in Christian, but exposing their minds to error instead of holding their minds back from it, and they became victims. And once they were in far enough, even those that were in it that wanted to get out, couldn't. 
Jude says, don't get near that stuff. And people are going to say that you may be too strict. You may be too this, too that, or the other. Is it worth the risk? No. No. Jude says, don't get near that stuff. It will singe your garments. You can't get in it and get close to it without having it having some kind of an effect on you. Second John chapter 7 says there are many deceivers in the world. How many? Many. How many is many? I don't know. It's many. All right? There are many deceivers in the world. They are everywhere. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Do you reckon there's some in Bremen, Georgia? Yep. I don't know who they are. And to call them false prophets doesn't mean that they have to be a preacher. These can be people sitting in pews in all different kinds of churches who have concluded that this Bible is not my authority. I got a conversation yesterday with um, somebody at the town festival. And they were asking me some questions and, you know, how are we supposed to respond to this, that, and the other? And I said, well, look, to me, the bottom line is this. What is the word of God to you? Is it the inspired, infallible, inerrant, authoritative word of God that I'm willing to take it as the Lord has given to me and apply it to my life or it is something that I think I need to rewrite? That's the bottom line question. If I think I need to rewrite it and I'm standing against what God says, then what am I? I'm a false prophet. Because I may not be a preacher, I may not be a teacher, but I'm going to go be telling somebody else what I think. And I'm going to pat my friends and maybe my children on the head and say, it's going to be all right, you know. That's old stuff. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to get this right. We're just going to relax and enjoy each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to build nursing homes. We're going to do this. We're going to have free legal aid. We're going to do all of this sort of stuff. And we're going to talk about God. But we're going to do it our way. We're not going to do it this way. And that quick. I've entered the wide gate. I've entered the wide gate. Next week, we're going to talk about how do I identify false prophets. But let me give you this to start with. Number one, they do not confess that Jesus is God. They do not confess that Jesus is God. They do not confess. When I say confess, I may mean believe. Okay? They do not believe that Jesus is God, and they do not believe in the work of Christ. They do not believe the gospel. Okay. They do not hold a biblical view of who Christ is and what he does. They do not hold a biblical view of who Christ is and what he does. 
you do not want your mind even exposed to that. That's why scripture says, if they come knocking on your door, don't let them into your house. Do not engage in the conversation. At least don't listen to them. If you're going to be there, you do all the talking. Okay? I've had it happen. I've had people of some denomination walk into my driveway with literature. Would you like to know more about the Bible? That was the question. I said, yeah, I would. Well, let me tell you about Jehovah. I love Jehovah. But you need to understand before you go any further that the ground you're standing on is ground that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord and he is God. And he is that on this property and in my home. And they turned and left. They can't stand it. Why? Because Satan can't stand it. And they are his tools. And they may or may not know it. They may or may not know it. And in the meantime, what am I going to do? I'm not going to ridicule them and point a finger at them and hate them. I'm not going to do all those things. What am I going to do? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn over their sin, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they have shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then on my mind, because I'm teaching it from Mark Stroud, 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't promote itself. Does not misbehave. Is never rude. It's the only way we have of reaching them. But we have got to stand firm in what we know of the Word of God. You know, we're going to talk next week about how to identify them. But let me, t- let me just say this real quick. I think there are some people who are genuinely true believers who just haven't studied enough. And they may tell you the wrong thing, but it's not necessarily because they oppose it. It's because nobody taught them that yet. Okay? And if they learn that they're wrong, what is a true believer going to do? He's going to repent and fix it. Going to change it. I'm wanting to say that there are some people like that who just teach the wrong thing by mistake. And not because their hearts are committed to it. I want to say that. I can't tell you where it's written. I just know that we're all accustomed to fail. I probably have taught wrong things. But it wasn't on purpose. And we cannot get away from the value of being in this word for yourself. And for your children and your grandchildren who well could have been in that bunch. 
It is a sickening, horrifying story that is an example to all of us as to how easily this can happen. And shall I say it can happen to you and to me? Because there'll be that moment in our lives when we're down and out, need a hand, and this hand's going to come pat you on your back and say, come on, we need you here. We have hope in our group. We're going to love you in our group. We feed the hungry while y'all just sit up there looking and singing songs. And you're going to go, yeah. And your mind is going to entertain it. And then what? You become susceptible to believing it. Do I dare say, are there any questions? Think about it. Watch for it. And next week, we'll make a list of how you identify false prophets. Jesus said, beware. Don't even let your mind go there. I can't wait to be with you next week. I'm so glad to see all of you today. God bless you.